What's up, real estate business builders? Lars Hedenborg here from Real Estate B-School, and this is part two of Christina Edelston's Skurat, sharing the six disciplines to crush it during the shift. And you wanna pay attention. If you're coming into the podcast now, go back at least one episode, but we're sharing all of the sessions from our digital summit. It's our business growth digital summit. We put it on twice a year, and uh, Christina's team sold 777 transactions last year. And uh, one year, she personally sold 150 transactions while she was pregnant, and she had one, at least one or two other little kids at home. And she just crushes it in business and in life, and she goes through three personal disciplines, three business disciplines. There's no way around these disciplines. Uh, so stay tuned for part two. I hope you enjoy it. If you haven't grabbed a copy of the Real Estate Business Growth Navigator yet, grab a copy at realestatebusinessgrowth.com. I had the honor of working with Kirby and Christina early on in their journey in real estate B-School, and uh, they went through these six stages. So grab a copy of the Real Estate Business Growth Navigator at realestatebusinessgrowth.com. Enjoy part two, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. As I've trained my team, and the best people on my team are very good listeners and very good question askers, because the more you, you get them talking, right? What's everybody's favorite topic? Right? Yeah. They always say people's favorite word is their name and people's favorite topic is themselves. <laughs> so if we can get them to talk about themselves, they automatically like you more. Um, and so then uh, the more they trust you, the more they share with you, the more if you ask quality questions, you understand the problems. And really what we're doing in real estate is solving people's problems. So if they don't have a problem, we can't help them anyway, right? Like problems can they do buy or sell or what the challenges. So anyway, that's what's gotten me to love it. Um, and, and for me, it's just an opportunity to be able to build another relationship and just see, Hey, can I add value to this person's life at this particular time frame? No joke. I was, I was doing a, a live session, calling, training my team a couple of weeks ago. And I'm not even joking. Literally there was someone with goats in the background that answered the call. So I was a first, you always get a first on everything. It was, it was pretty great trying to have that conversation. So anyway, that's that. And then the last point, um, number six is relationships are the key. And so that, that I think, um, there's so many levels on that, but what I, what I do want to be clear is you have to stay personal in your business. Um, and everything can't just be about the numbers. Everything can't just be about the money, even though obviously we need numbers and we need money to make a business work. Those are very real and very important thing. Um, it's about the people. And there's really like two categories of people. And so one of them is your team. If you develop and, and have a team, we have to see them. We have to love on them. We have to take care of them. Especially, I'm sure a lot of us have experienced with um, the low levels of unemployment. It's not easy to keep and retain good talent. And the, it's not just about good talent, but it's about right sit in your culture. And with you, can they, can they roll the way that you roll? And you want to keep those people and they will stay if they feel invested in, seen, loved, and encouraged, and they likely won't otherwise. So, um, and then obviously for any business, you need clients. So that's really a huge one. Um, especially as you grow, like, right? Like, so most of you probably sort of like Kirby and I, you're the main person selling, um, you know, everybody by name. And to be able to grow and scale that and transition it to be agents, um, it takes development there. 
um, to be able to retain the trust and retain that business over the course of years. So uh, Keller Williams, right? Gary Keller, he wrote a book, The Millionaire Realist in Asia, but he talks there about developing your 33 touch. Essentially, you have to touch or be in contact with your database 33 times a year for them to remember that you exist in the sense of like, you're the first person they're going to think of calling, right? And so um, that's very important. So we developed an, an e-newsletter, a printed newsletter. We have four to six events every year that are client appreciation events. Um, and we do market updates and CMAs. We have a whole bot. So we do all sorts of things. We, we actually touch them far more than 33 times a year now. Um, but a lot of events and stuff. And of course they love it because that's, like a party every time and free things every time so uh that's that is really one of our favorite things um and it keeps us with some moments of face-to-face um with all the clients so um and this is another one on um, this part of our 33 touch but um i probably would lose a couple of these before i would ever lose this one um which is we call people on their birthday and their house anniversaries every year and we've done that since basically since Kirby and I started, but it is probably a hundred times X your return because very few people do that. Actually, like physically call anyone for their birthday, um, you know, calling people for their house anniversary, they always feel really special. Um, and it just, it's a, again, a reminder for them that you are their agent. Um, and we've, we've created systems, of course, to make it easy for all of us and our agents because now they're the ones that are handling um, all our sales. And they're the ones that are handling our clients. They're the ones that are working with our sphere now and our past clients. Um, and so they, they get the reminders. They call, I still call my friends, um, some of my past clients because I like to, like, I may, I honestly make so much money off of it because I, I regularly set appointments off of it, whether from them or referrals, just because I stay in touch all the time. So as we've grown and scaled, even with 700 some homes a year, still about 50% of our business continues to be repeat and referral business, which, I mean, when you look at scaling, um, it's not easy to continue to scale that portion of it unless you're developing raving fans, which is what we're really about. Um, we want to make sure that our, and we we're indoctrinate this at our agents. We track it. We celebrate it, right? Like we read out loud the five-star Lowe's reviews that we get every single week in Zillow. Um, and that, by the way, is great for your Google presence and Zillow presence. Um, and our, the agents love it. Um, and it helps us really know who's who's succeeding very well. So, um, and yeah, so loving your team, loving your clients, keeping it personal enough and seeing them and celebrating them. Um, it's always going to pay off and allow you to scale more. So that's what I got. Any questions? Yes, we're going to take every bit of the next 23 minutes to get everything we can out of uh, out of you. Can you tell us, um, you presented, and I forget where you told us this, but it was a strategy that you used when it was just you and Kirby and like one licensed assistant, but you would go into Kirby's and your Facebook account on like, how did you build the birthday system? Because you still call people on their birthday, right? Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think it was, I, I, for the, for a whole year, I went every day and you know, in your Facebook reminders, it shows you who's got birthdays. 
So for a whole year, I would go in and I would message each person that we knew. Sometimes you have people that you literally like don't know or aren't in the country. So then I would skip those. But pretty much everybody else, and I would just say, hey, it's uh, our our goal this year to send everybody that we know a happy anniversary or a happy birthday card. And just wanted, what's your address? And while I'm at it, what's your number and email so we can stay in touch? And most people would respond and give it to us. And that's how we, part of how we built our database um, with actual real valid contacts, right? Because, you know, I'll see like agents will join us. They'll give us their SOI list and it's like a random exported list of our old coworkers, half of whom don't work there anymore, right? <laughs> well, that's not a very quality database of people. We're not actually going to, you know, you don't have good contacts. So I did that for the first year and then just got attracted it after that. Um, but it was a very big game changer because some of those people that like were acquaintances, they started feeling like friends. They started feeling like we were their friends because who else calls them and sends, that sends them how to, you know, happy birthday cards. And, you know, even one of them, um, ended up using us a few times, but her husband had been talking to someone at Zillow and she goes, what are you doing? We're going to use Kirby and Christina. They, they're the ones that send us cards for our birthdays. And we weren't even really friends up in Howard just acquaintances. So, yeah. And then another thing, and maybe you can talk talk to this a little bit. Uh, the consistency that you guys have employed just in your your touch program. You know, you guys have been doing that newsletter. Didn't did, haven't changed the look and feel of it. Like it or works. All the emotional stuff is built in. Um, talk talk about the consistency of it because. I have fallen prey to this, you know, where, oh, we've been doing it for a year, you know, let's change it up, you know, but you guys have been doing the same thing year in, year out for the most part. It's not, it's not to say that you don't improve it, but talk about the consistency that you employ in your business. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we will do brand like refreshes and stuff like that, but, um, yeah, for the most part, I mean, our printed newsletter, um, it's just always been, you know, like a double-sided or pager or whatever you can say. Um, and generally the template's been fairly similar. And yeah, we usually try to focus um, on having something that's more personal with them. So like either the client appreciation events or we'll have like market updates stuff. We really try to avoid having completely like generic articles, you know, we really try to avoid that. So we try to make it much more like personal, interesting, engaging. Um, or featuring testimonials or client success experiences. Our e-newsletter, um, that one we actually revamped our, our format last year. Um, so I'll give you guys to this as a freebie, but our del deliverability was okay. We were looking really to improve it. Um, and so we did a lot of research and, and ended, up, ended up finding out that the less links you have, uh, your deliverability is much higher. The more links you have, um, you appear more spammy and certain words like that. So now we run every single new e-newsletter. We run the title through a, a spam filter check, which most CRMs have something like that. And then we'll tweak it. Because um, we weren't, we didn't even know that some of the words we were using um, kind of like gave it up, gave off the feeling of being spammy. Um, for example, like if you try to do something like, oh, we sold their whole, you know, our clients home for $40,000 more. If you use it in the title, that's going to show up as spam because 40,000, you know, is, or money, money is usually used as like a spam context, right? So 
being able to run that through that. And then we used to put like a link on the video or the picture. So let's click here link. Like don't want anyone to miss clicking. And that adds up to a lot of links and we had it too long. So now we actually have it down to about three sections for the most part. Only one link per, per thing. And most of our e-newsletters now, we have about a 25 to 30 some percent open rate, which is huge. That's like massive for, for email. I mean, when you're emailing thousands of people, that's, that's really good open rate. Awesome. Um, tell us about the team structure. So Amanda asked a question about the team structure uh, on the admin side and the agent side. Do you guys want me to speak about it as today? Uh, actually, no, since we have time, talk about the evolution of it. So talk about, I think you and Kirby and one licensed administrator did like 192 transactions. So I we had that? a non-licensed assistant who did, um, ended up managing a lot of our marketing and was our listing coordinator. And then, um, so we hired her and then about six months later, hired my first showing agent, which we are showing agents. We've always only ever had hourly, like whatever you work would pay you. We've never paid like consistent salaries or anything like that. Um, but yeah, so by the time we hired them that year, we sold 120 clones and then it was under 92 and grew from there. Uh, we ended up hiring our first buyer agent about a year or so afterwards, actually he overheard our interview for our first showing agent at Terrible Copy because we didn't have an office or anything. And he's like, I've been thinking about getting into real estate. I'm like, well, get your license and join us. It was a really great hiring process. <laughs> but he turned out to be great. And he's actually a very successful agent in California now. Um, so we're still in touch with him. He's great. So um, then, uh, yeah, from there, we, we started hiring a couple more agents. Ended up hiring our first marketing coordinator. Because pretty, I mean, with selling bulbs, it was just like too much trying to do that. Um, and, and grew from there. So, I mean, we've kind of gone through different iterations, but for the most part, having, you know, an operations, HR type of person, a marketing person, and then a sales department is primarily where we've been. Now, um, we have, I mean, it's a fairly big organization now. But we have key leaders, and that's really what we've been going for two years. I've always said, okay, our goal is to develop true leaders in this organization that are going to take over pretty much all of it. Um, I'm the integrator. Kirby's a visionary. I'm the integrator. But I, I, I put pretty much almost all of my time into my leaders and in decision-making now. And I just do occasional coaching with the agents on things that they feel like I'm, they need me in. Like they like me for scripts and role playing sometimes. Um, because I'm a nerd and I love it. So, um, but yeah, so then we have our sales director um, and she oversees our sales managers and all of our sales agents. And then we've got our growth and development director who basically is the one who oversees recruiting and um, our training department for new agents. One of the things we found is putting our best sales people or sales managers overseeing brand new agents they hated it with a passion. Like no high producer wants to show someone how to click the CRM again or how to write their first offer. Not that they don't want to be nice, but it's like seriously. So now we have a training department, which completely helps insulate the rest of the productive team 
because as we all know about only only about 25% of hires end up being good, right? Agents hires just, I don't know, that's just a statistic I hear nationally over and over again. You hire 10, you're going to keep about two and a half good ones <laughs> because, you know, not everybody's going to do the job if you want producers or people that are going to do a good job. So our training department takes them, onboards them, um, does all of the initial training and basically works with them through their first five sales. And then they graduate, right, into one of the other groups because by then they know enough what they're doing. And we make even experienced people go through this process because they still have questions on how we do things. We have a, a right, I keep talking about processes and systems, but that's what makes it easy, but people have to learn it. Um, so we have that all along the way um, with them. And then once they graduate, they go to the sales um, division, basically, and are officially uh, graduated. And then our marketing department, um, we just have an amazing marketing director, and she's got a coordinator under her and two designers that are overseas. And then we outsource different portions of marketing sometimes because you're not going to figure every part out yourself and everything. Um, but for the most part, that's what we've got. And then, yep, it's kind of how we have our team structured. Uh, just a practical tech question. When you guys send out the newsletter, what program are you using? We, well, we have Infusionsoft. So Infusionsoft is a pretty robust program that I'd only recommend if you're going to really build it out and, and invest in building it. If you do that, it is a game changer because it's like your massive assistant. We have um, all the different campaigns that run that help us not forget of anything. And everybody follows a process from lead to sold and then all the sold follow-up, right? Like anniversaries and things like that. But um, that's what we use for our, our newsletter. You can build it out in there and send it out directly through there. I've had Kirby tell us before, do not do Infusionsoft. So that was not for you to write down like, I'm going to check out. I promise you, it is it is a beast. It can run like your business and seven other businesses all at the same time, all tripwired, but you will lose your mind unless your your mind is wired that way. Kirby's mind is wired that way. And yeah. one of our virtual assistants and our previous operations person so, I mean, everything, but it, it, it takes a lot of investment into building it out. So I agree. I, I, that's why I said, don't do it unless that's truly like, you're going to scale it. So yeah. I think a, a MailChimp or Chamber, there's a lot of different programs people use that. Yeah. MailChimp is super easy to use. Um, take us through the touch program again. So you guys are doing physical monthly newsletter, uh, e-newsletter. So that's 24 touches. Uh, what else are you doing? So we have... Four to six events per year. I mean, obviously with COVID and stuff, things change. Um, but each each event has a direct mail, a phone call, an email. Well, not a phone call, but we're we're looking at um, hiring a part-time client coordinator that we want as part of that that that, that like different than an ISA. Like she would be like our chief love officer, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Um, but so they get a, the printed newsletter and a new newsletter, and then an actual postcard invitation. So kind of all three of those, and then a text message invite as well. So with four, with four events, there's another 12, wait, 12 four events. Touches, yes. Yeah. Another 12 touches essentially. So, so you're at 36 between a newsletter, e-newsletter, e four events with the touches. Yeah. And then the home. anniversary, the birthday girl, yeah. and then, yeah, sometimes, sometimes we'll do the CMAs, um, just give people updates. We also, um, as part of our campaign and following up after the first anniversary, we also send them an invitation to hold, um, 
I think it is Homebot, right? The one that sends the um, the monthly market updates on your behalf. So that's kind of a nice way because on the back end, they can update their mortgage balance or what you think their home is worth. So you can kind of track when they're paying more attention to that. Um, and the system alerts us, hey, they updated their mortgage amount or something. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if you told me this or Kirby did, but you guys did 777 homes last year for 7.7 million. We, we all agree that you guys should just, you know, seven is the number of completion in the Bible. So you guys didn't take the advice and just shut it down. Um, but 50% of the 7.7 million, I think the reason people don't focus on their database is that they don't think it could be a multi-million dollar income pillar for them. Mm-hmm. So was that just something you realized over time or you just, you were so committed to like, you know, because most people scale, but they don't scale with the core of their business being their database, which you guys yeah. have done. So you guys did 3.85 million last year of GCI with both of you out of production from your database, not your HS database, but from your core database. So talk about that a little bit. What's the mindset around the database in your company? Yeah, that's a really good, very good question. I think I talked earlier about and that kind of the mindset stuff about growing and learning and always learning from other people. Um, I think it's rare you're ever going to have someone talk and not mention that the database matters. And so I think we don't have a need to reinvent the wheel. If we're like, if it works, I'm going to copypreneur it. I'm just going to make it mine and make it true to me. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It just made sense to my brain. Like, why wouldn't you want to forever retain the people that have always already worked with you? So um, I think it was a commitment from the beginning, but also because we kept hearing it over and over again. Um, and I kind of looked at it as like, well, if, if somebody called and invited me to things, I would really like them more. <laughs> and if they took care of my needs after I bought a house and they didn't disappear on me, I would like them more and refer to them. I mean, it just made sense, right? Um, and I mean, gosh, over the years, we've chased so many squirrels when it comes to buying leads. Because just like every speaker can also tell you about buying leads from here, buy leads from there, I don't know, right? And you can waste so much money that way. So one of the short answers to your question, Lars, would be we track. And so we track our ROI on everything that we spend with marketing. And it's, it's without a shadow, not even close of a doubt. The very highest ROI is always our database. Always, 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 always. It's so um, just like not undebatable. So it's a no-brainer in that sense. Um, plus the conversion is like, I mean, the, the appointments that I set from that for our agents, it's about a 90% conversion rate. And right, when you're buying leads, I, I mean, I think Zillow from lead to sold considers 7.5% to be outstanding. <laughs> That's Zillow. Right? Like supposed to be the bottom of the funnel, better leads. So um, I guess to me, that's a no-brainer as well. Why wouldn't I want to do easier work that produces better? Um, because it really is. It's like that funnel, like the top of the funnel, those new leads we buy. You have to make a friend out of nothing. I talked about loving the phone, but that's not easy. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of time, a lot of discipline, and a lot of people to not waste all those leads if you need to stay in touch with them enough to, to get them down the funnel. But now you guys, like one of my agents just sold um, a house this week. She was a lead from 2012 
that I converted and helped her buy her first house. About three years ago, she contacted us again, an agent on our team helped her sell and buy a bigger house with her new husband. Her daughter, she referred to us because she got married or whatever it was. So then they bought with us. And then now she and her husband want to sell and travel the world. And she wanted a cash offer. And I asked her questions and I was like, dude, if you're going to sell it for that price, I'll buy it myself. I think you should meet with my agent first. We sold it for $80,000 more than what she was willing to take from a cash offer perspective. That's well from one lead, but that takes a lot of work over the years, right? So anyway, I could probably talk about this forever, but um, that is that that is a huge thing of like your your effort is so much easier with people that already know, like, and trust you. So if you do a good job, your agents do a good job with every lead, every closing, and you're getting five-star reviews on Google or Zillow and you're staying in touch with them, there's no reason they should ever work with anyone else but you. Is there a practical discipline that you can give us around, you know, like you had a time block in your calendar outside of that Facebook, you know, taking them from online to offline? Uh, do you make your agents time block, you know, for database management or what's like a practical thing we can, we can all do to turn it into a seven figure pillar? Um, so we train all of our agents and I didn't talk about this when I talked about this team structure, but every agent is at a small group on their sales manager. So every single week they make, um, weekly commitments, their to do's. And every week you have to report back on whether they did them. And the expectation is you're going to, you're going to complete at least 90% of them. Um, so in those, um, most of the time, unless they're crushing their sales and their conversion meets the minimum metrics, their to-dos are always going to have to do with following up with the leads to set appointments or following up with their met people to sell homes. And so we train them on everything from that and what we call pushing listings, but their expectation is every week they're going to be pushing listings to their buyers, like actually handpicking property that they say, hey, want to go look at these? Because every book, we, we know that the auto emails are only going to get me so many paths of emails back that say, can you show me this house at four? But if I suggest three properties, my chances of showings are vastly higher every single week. And we train them that if they're smart, if they do it on a Monday or a Tuesday, their whole week is more lined up or they can use the showing agents versus Friday people are like, oh, I want to see houses this weekend. And all of a sudden, you know, you're out of dinner with your family and six people want to see houses and then you don't have any showing agents and you're stressed out and now you can't go to your kid's soccer game or whatever it is. So I, we do try that to be as proactive as possible. And the ones that listen and follow that always do really well and consistently sell homes with less stress. So that's how we help them stay in touch. And then stuff we also do, so that's kind of from like a weekly cadence. And then we'll also do um, just different call challenges or CMA challenges or push listing challenges or things like that too. So that it's kind of more fun. And then I'll end up with a happy hour or whatever. Awesome. We'll do two more questions and we'll let you run. So are you doing the same events every year or do you switch it up? For the most part, the same events. So we did do a couple different ones that, or we had to switch things around just due to COVID. But I'll tell you what, what our consistent ones are. So our next one coming up is our Thanksgiving pie giveaway. That was our first one ever, ever, ever. I think the first time we ever did it, we had like 20 people come. Um, and we should have at least 700 people come. They pick up a big pie from Costco, apple or pumpkin, which they just raised a $2 pie. 
So get yourself some sponsors because it gets really expensive. But it's the, again, the best ROI anyway. Um, and then we give them a pound of coffee from Terrible Coffee, which is like um, Starbucks here. I don't know if you guys have that there, but that's kind of the Minnesota-based one originally. Um, and so they come by. Now we do that one drive-through style. We used to have it in the office and people would come in. Highly recommend that if your database is manageable like that because it was the best time. People love to come. We would have hot chocolate, coffee, cookies, the, and activities for the kids, like a thankfulness wall. People could write. It was really, really fun. But now I mean, our office can't have that many people park and come and show up and do that. Um, <clears throat> we do a drive-through style now since COVID, but it's far easier. But even then, 700 pe people picking up bikes, even if it's a whole day, that's like a constant flow of people. So then we usually do pictures with Santa um, for kids on a Saturday morning. The pie giveaway is always the Tuesday before Thanksgiving because that way it's still fresh and people can be the ones to bring dessert for Thanksgiving, but not too close where everybody's already gone. Um, and we have so many people at our database now where they literally plan on that and they sign up for their family gathering to bring dessert because they know that we're going to provide it with them. So that we did that pictures with Santa. Um, we, uh, this one goes on and off sometimes, but, uh, state of the market address, which we used to do in our farm area. We have a newspaper in our city that we are in. That is one of the better price points too. Um, we have done a fun run that was not anymore. Um, we did a couple of years, but it's just logistically fairly complicated <laughs> again, because we have, when you, it's, some things are easier when you have a 100 to 200 people, but once you get 500 or more. Showing up to the events, the, the logistics and expenses get complicated. So you just have to be more creative. Uh, we did, uh, last year, we did a fall, like, family pictures event with bouncy houses. And while that was fun, it was pretty much a logistical nightmare. So we are not doing that one again, but it was really fun. If it was much smaller, I would for sure do it again because people love it. Um, the one we, we also do every single year um, is the minor league baseball here is called Saints. The Saints team is super fun. Like the, the, the feel is amazing. They make the environment super fun. And it's obviously far smaller than the Twins, bigger stadium. So we do a, we host tickets and a barbecue on what they have called the Green Lawn. And then every, oh, I forgot to mention this, every event we tie in charity. So based on how many people come, it's an incentive for them to come too, but we make donations on their behalf towards Feed by Serving Children or a local organization here or um one in the condo where i used to work so but the saints game barbecue is the only one where we actually give cash prizes to our clients as a thank you so ever since we were really little and had like 50 people stripped to our first one at our local park where we literally grilled for them <laughs> in our first barbecue we've always added a zero to the number of sales we've done and that's how much money we give away in cash prizes to winners so last year, this, this last summer, we gave away $7,770 in cash prizes. So a bunch of $500 ones and like a $1,770 big prize winner. And so anyway, that's super fun. And that one, we had about 900 people. That was crazy. Thanks for listening. Would you please take a minute to share the show with other agents who may be struggling? And if you love the podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And make sure you visit scaleordiebook.com to get a free copy of my book. It's a nuts and bolts guide to building a real estate business that gives you true time and money freedom so that you can live your life without regrets. 
Thanks again and see you on the next episode.